Welcome to First Line. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and I am a student doctor in my last year of medical school. First Line brings listeners of all backgrounds together to discuss whole body health and wellness through an osteopathic lens. First Line covers tangible ways to improve your health, how to succeed in medical school, and various topics in healthcare, including mental health, all while holistically addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. This episode is a little bit of a continuation from my previous episode talking about how to decide which programs to apply to for residency. So in this episode, I want to go a little bit more in depth into the types of resources that you can use to help with this. I talked a lot about looking at individual residency program websites. I also mentioned Residency Explorer and Frida, which I'm going to talk more about. So first, I want to discuss a resource called Residency Explorer. And this tool is a collaboration between the AMA, the NRMP, who runs the match, um, the MBME, the MBOME, so the licensing bodies for MD and DOs, the ACGME that runs graduate medical education, AACOM or the American Association of Colleges of Osteopathic Medicine as well as AAMC, and there, there's more too. So just a lot of legitimate bodies that run this resource and you are able to log into it if you have an AAMC login, which you should if you've applied to medical school. It's also, you know, the same login that you used for VSLO. So on this tool, you're able to make your profile so you can put in what specialty you want to explore. You can put in your own board scores so that when you're searching for programs, it will say if you're if you're average, if you're above average, below average. Historically, you can put in the number of work experiences, volunteering experiences, and publications. I don't know how that's going to change with how you're now limited with using a total of 10 experiences because obviously all of those will have to add up to 10. Then once you choose what specialty you want to explore, you can refine your search by location. So you can do this by state or you can do a rough region. If you want, you can also do zip code and sort by distance. And you can also opt to filter if you only want to see the programs that are osteopathically recognized. Otherwise, when you look at this search, when you narrow down those programs, it will say the program name. For me, since I'm a DO, there's also a column that says the percentage of match applicants who were DOs. And um, I think this is a pretty okay metric. I think for the most part, it's fairly accurate, but for many programs, they're not going to have any data for this. So if you're only applying to programs that have a certain number of percentage match applicants, you're missing a lot of programs that actually do have DOs and new programs that very much could have DOs or 
in the first few years that the program has existed, they have had DOs. It's just that that profile data hasn't been uploaded yet. So I think, you know, when when it does say 0%, that may indicate to you that you have a pretty low chance of getting an interview as a DO. But otherwise, if there's no number by that, then you really have to do your own digging with it. And new programs tend to accept DOs uh, because they want to establish themselves as as taking both types. It's, if any program is going to preferentially interview MD applicants, it's going to be these older programs that are kind of set in their ways that were MD only before the merger and they just never changed to really be open to DOs, unfortunately. And then you'll see there's other columns for me, there's a step one column because I have a three-digit step one score. But um, for everyone applying um, in the cycles in the future, there's going to be a step two CK column that if you have entered your scores, then this is a really useful column. It will show you a plus sign if you are above the range of matched applicants, which means out of out of every everyone who's matched, your score was above that. So you're very competitive for that program. You'll see a filled in black circle if you're in the upper 25% of match applicants. So you're still very competitive for that program. And then you might see a, a gray circle. Gray circle is you're in the middle 50%. So you could be competitive if you have other things in your application going for you, but you're kind of the average applicant for them. Then a uh, hollow circle, so a like a white circle, is you're in the lower 25% of match applicants, so you're going to have a harder time competing with other applicants. And then a minus sign is you're completely below what applicants that match there have. And this also applies to the number of publications, research opportunities, volunteer, and work. So that just gives you kind of a rough idea of where applicants who match there fall in line. And obviously things are going to be different now that ERAS has changed and step one and level one are pass-fail. I've been talking about step exams, um, so I have it pulled up in front of me. I have my my step one and my step two scores to compare to. But you can also, as a DO applicant, you can also submit your COMEX scores. If you do have both scores, it's helpful to to switch your profile a few times to see where you stand for both tests. But unfortunately, when you're searching with these programs, you can only have one active at a time. So you have to go back in your profile and switch it if you want to now see your COMEX scores and how they compare. Then there's a column for city, state, and region, just so you know where the program is located. If you click on a program's name, it gives you a ton of information that you do have to make sure is up to date because I'm not sure how often they update it. But I'm looking at my program that I matched to the profile right now. And it looks like everything is up to date. It will have uh, the address, the phone number. It has the ACGME program code so that you can look up the program very easily. Then it has some some quick facts of how many resident positions there are by year. It 
outline some program characteristics, like if it's an academic hospital, if it's an affiliated academic hospital, or if it's a community hospital. It says if if the program participates in ERAS and participates in the NRMP match. So typically, you're going to want a program that says yes to both. Unless you're okay with joining a program that does not participate in the match, which means when you interview with them, they'll offer you a spot. And if you say yes, you can't participate in the match. You automatically have to go to that program. Um, so not a ton of people do this. This is going to apply to a very small proportion of people and also a small proportion of programs as well. Sometimes it's better to apply to those pre-match programs if you have a ton of red flags or if you're an international medical graduate with low scores because it's a way to guarantee that you're going to go to a program when you don't care what program it is, you just want to go to a program. Otherwise, you want the program to say yes for participating with ERAS and yes, participating in the NRMP main match. This is the accreditation status. Most of them are going to say continued accreditation. Some of them might say initial accreditation. And then it says the length of training, which is probably going to be the same uh, within a specialty. Uh, the exception to this is some family medicine programs have four-year programs instead of three. There might be a little blurb about additional information about the program that you can read to kind of learn the main emphasis of the program and what they regard highly. Some programs will have an incomplete profile, so it might not have all these features, but this is what a lot of programs are going to have. I'm just going over all the features. So another one is application trends, where for each application year, it will say how many applications they received. It will say what the match out outcomes were in the previous year. Uh, when I'm looking at this right now, it says the 2022 match outcomes. It doesn't look like they refreshed it with a 2023 match yet, but still fairly up to date. It says the number of positions that were offered and the number of positions that were filled. So typically, if the number of positions filled does not match the positions offered, typically that means that that program is not competitive because they weren't able to fill all of their spots. And that might be a good thing for you because maybe you need some safety programs to add to your list or it might be a bad thing and it says a lot about the program that they're not matching their spots. Then there is a graph that kind of compares it to the average for that specialties programs. So it compares the number of positions offered with what the average is. Also the number of applicants for the program versus the average. So if it's above the average, it's pretty competitive. If it's below the average, it's not as competitive. And then it says, um, which is interesting, is percent of applicants they interview. So this, this is really useful. Um, statistic because if you're an average applicant you can look at all these programs and see what likelihood you have to be interviewed to help you decide how many programs you should apply to based off of how many interviews you want so for example with psychiatry the average percent of applicants interviewed is about 10 percent so each program usually interviews about 10 percent so 
if I want one interview, I should apply to 10 programs. And if I want 10 interviews, I should apply to 100 programs, right? Since I consider myself to be an above average applicant, I applied to 80 programs and got interviews at over 20. So my interview yield was a lot higher than that 10% average. But it's a good metric to use just so that you know a ballpark of how many programs you should apply to. And for a lot of specialties, it's a lot lower than 10%. For some specialties, it's more than 10%. So it really depends on your specialty too, but you can kind of do that math to figure out how many programs you can apply to and feel comfortable doing that. Then there's some graphs about work experiences where residents who matched at the program, how many work experiences they had, volunteer research and peer-reviewed publications they had. And then it shades in one of those bars for where you're at. So you can see if there's, if most of the match applicants have less than you or more than you. Then it says the same thing with your test scores. And it says, again, if you're in the If you're above the range, below the range, upper 25%, middle 50%, lower 25%. Then there's a lot of information about visa status, if that that applies to you. It mentions the number of required letters of recommendations that I would very much caution you to fully believe because you should always get that information from the program's website. A lot of this other information is more gauging your competitiveness, which if it's a little off, then it doesn't really hurt you that much. It's just to, you know, see if it's a program worth applying to. Whereas something that's like an application requirement, you should probably vet against the website. A lot of these programs will say that uh, the USMLE is required for interview consideration. If it says this, I don't think that necessarily says that if you're a DO student, you need to have a USMLE. I think that's just saying if you're if you're an MD student, you need the USMLE. And then with Comlex, if, if you're a DO student, you need the Comlex. It will place here if there's a minimum score required for interview consideration, but I would take that with a grain of salt as well. I would not apply somewhere just because you don't meet that minimum unless they clearly state it on their website as well. Then there's some information about honor society membership, um, what the percentages of matched residents who are part of the AOA or Gold Humanism or um, SSP and compares that to the average for the specialty. Next section is resident salary and benefits. So, This is probably going to be fairly accurate. Um, The number that I'm looking at right now um, doesn't really match what I was offered. So I think if anything, it's going to be more than what's listed because typically resident salaries increase with inflation. But again, I wouldn't really focus too much on the salary of residency programs. I discussed that in my last episode. It will share the number of paid sick days and number of paid vacation days, which for my program that I'm looking at right now is accurate, but I don't know how often they update that. There's a list of of benefits um, that I'm seeing. It's things like 
Do they provide free parking? Do they provide a meal allowance? Do they provide on-site childcare? Things like that. It looks like almost everything is accurate for my program, but um, there is one or two that are incorrect. So I wouldn't really compare programs too much on that benefit section. Then the next section talks about the average hours per week that residents work in their first year. I don't know how they get this information. It seems like what I had in my spreadsheet for when I took this information down versus what I heard from talking to residents during open houses and the interviews. I think that for a lot of programs, these hours aren't very accurate. So take it with a grain of salt. And then there's a section for educational and research opportunities. You can take a look at it, but again, I don't know how accurate a lot of these things are. Then the last section is kind of demographics of residents. So this is probably only what was was self-reported. So I don't know how accurate it's going to be if you know, only a certain number of residents are offering up this information. But it could be helpful, especially the uh, race and ethnicity section, if it's really important for you to have residents who came before you that um, are of of the same race or ethnic identity. And it might be a red flag for you if the program has been 90% white, even if that's just what they're reporting. Um, You can see the same with the breakdown of men and women. Then there's, um, again, the percentage of residents by med student type, whether that's a DO or an MD, which could be helpful. Also, if you are an IMG, um, a U.S. IMG or a non-U.S. IMG, which could be helpful. And then resident medical school background, like where most of the residents um, have gone to school. So that's really residency explorer in a nutshell. This episode of First Line is sponsored by TrueLearn. TrueLearn is an exam prep company best known for their smart banks that turn your weak areas into your strengths. Each TrueLearn smart bank practice question has detailed answer explanations and succinct bottom lines to get the big learning takeaway. For my listeners taking the USMLE, TrueLearn also has an amazing USMLE smart bank. If you are in your third year, TrueLearn also offers smart banks for shelf exams and comat shelf exams. Go to truelearn.com and use one of my special discount codes for up to $35 off your subscription. Special discount codes can be found in the episode description. So next, I'm going to discuss FRIDA, which is through the American Medical Association or the AMA. You have to use your AMA login in order to access FRIDA. But I think even if you're not a member of the AMA, you can have partial access uh, that may not allow you to save programs, but allows you to browse. So it kind of works similarly with Residency Explorer. So once you log in, you can search by specialty and then it gives you a list of all of the programs. You can also filter by location, either region or by state. You can also filter on whether they participate in ERAS, participate in the NRMP match. You can filter by university-based, community-based, 
community with university affiliation. Uh, you can search by military. You can search by osteopathic recognition. You can also click check marks with if they accept visas, if that's important to you. There's like sliding scales for if you care how many positions there are per year. If you want big class, you can you can sort it by that as well. You can do the same thing for salary and average hours per week. When you see a program on the list, it has the, the name of the program, the specialty, and the location. And it also says right from the start if it's university, affiliated, or community, and how many first-year positions there are. Then once you click on the profile, kind of like Residency Explorer, it pulls up a profile. And for my program, there's actually not a ton of information on Frida. So it's one of the one of the partial profiles that really just has basic information like the length of training, the program start date, whether they participate with ERAS, and the website address, as well as the location of the hospital and other hospitals that you're likely to do rotations at. Um, which looks fairly accurate to me. Also has the program director and the program coordinator's contact information. So I'm just going to click on another program that I interviewed at just to see what a fuller profile looks like. So, so programs, it looks like they can put in a little blurb in their profile if they choose so. Um, so the first page looks about the same. Um, there's usually a tab for program and work schedule. It shares how many interviews are usually conducted for first-year positions and the ratio of interviews to first-year positions. So usually if that's a lower ratio, if you do get an interview, you have a much better chance at matching there than at a program that has a higher ratio does say minimum score for STEP and COMLEX. I don't know how accurate it is because a lot of this information is on sites like Frida and Residency Explorer, but isn't really on the program's website. So it might not be a hard minimum. Talks about the work schedule, like average hours per week, um, whether there's a night flow system, whether they allow moonlighting. I don't know how accurate this information is either, but it might be good to know if if those factors are really important to you. Uh, you can dig a little bit deeper into confirming that information. And then they have a three-year average for resident characteristics. Uh, what percent are MDs, DOs, IMGs, male, female, and there's a rough call schedule, which looks pretty accurate to me. So that might be something that's worth looking at. But I don't know how often they update that if there's changes to that. If you go in the features and benefits tab, you can look at average hours per week of didactics, the compensation, medical benefits, employment policies. So again, child care, free parking, housing stipend, things like that. Offers information if there's any sort of tracks, which 
probably is more relevant to family medicine and internal medicine if you're really interested in like a primary care tract or hospitalist tract, women's health tract, things like that can show up on this page. So that is Frida. Um, it is pretty similar to um, Residency Explorer. I am now providing personalized assistance specifically to medical students. I can help with editing your CV for away rotations or other opportunities. I can aid in revisions for your personal statement. And when the time comes, I can help you edit your ERAS application. I am uniquely positioned to help you as someone who has been through this process myself in the last year or two, and as someone with professional writing and editing experience. In addition to listening to my past episodes with tips on navigating applications, use the link in this episode description to learn more about the services I offer for individualized help. It is a helpful resource if if you are trying to make your list, you kind of roughly know how many programs you want to apply to and kind of being able to sort them by location. Again, uh, the ACGMA website is going to have the full list of programs. Some of the newer programs will not show up on Frida or Residency Explorer, and they certainly won't include any data that would be helpful on those sites. But these sources can be used to look at different locations of programs. I think Frida is really neat because it tells you more, more locations of where you do your rotations like what hospitals and clinics you'll you'll be at and you can kind of look at a profile overall and especially if you're a DO kind of see do they have other DO residents there if you're an IMG you can see if there's IMG residents I think those are going to be the the biggest yield things to look at wouldn't focus too much on the numbers that are provided because the numbers may often change but reading the little blurbs that are on some of those programs and what they choose to share, kind of the highlights and the unique elements of the program can be pretty helpful um, as far as narrowing down your list to where to apply. Definitely when you're thinking about which programs to interview at, if you are limiting your number of interviews and you're getting more invites than you want interviews, and then when you're making your rank list, you should definitely not be relying on these sources as much and relying on the information that you gained during these interviews. The questions that you asked, I wouldn't not ask a question just because the information is already available on Frida or Residency Explorer because um, it could be inaccurate. And then base it off of the information on their website that is official information and then any other communication you get from the program like emails, for example. Again, I think these these sites are a good starting point to making your list. And also just seeing how competitive you are for some programs, making sure that you can have a nice one-third, one-third, one-third split of, of safety programs that you feel competitive for of match or fit programs that you feel like you are pretty close to the average resident that's already there. And then the programs that may be a little bit more of a reach that you still want to apply to because maybe it's your dream of going there or it's an ideal location and you want to 
put forward your application even if your board scores don't necessarily match up you think that maybe some parts of your application might help you land that interview these sites make it a little bit easier so that you're not applying to all of these reach programs that you have a very low chance at getting an interview at so that you're kind of being realistic and it also helps if you are between different specialties you can kind of find the typical programs and see if you are competitive. Maybe it's a specialty that there really aren't any safety programs for, then maybe that specialty is a little bit out of your league and maybe you have to choose to dual apply or maybe you need to think of another specialty that you see yourself in just as much as that specialty. Even if you're not a third-year, rising fourth-year student, um, maybe you're in your first or second year, you can also use these sites to look at where you need to be, like my dream program, how many volunteering, how much research do I need um, in order to set myself up so I'm that I'm competitive for this program. I think that these sites might be helpful for that as well. But again, I will say that it really does help to have mentors and faculty members who can walk you through this process and help you to decide how many programs to apply to, how to decide which programs to apply to. And you can also pay for professional consultations for someone with experience that can help you through this process as well. You can follow Firstline on Instagram at Firstline Podcast or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Firstline Podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode every Monday.